0: Hey everyone, and welcome to the Creative Financing Podcast. I'm Nicole Kamanjian. I'm here with Cody Richard and the host of this show, Jeff Rappaport. This is episode 232, and today we're going to start a new series called Lease Options versus Owner Financing. While listening to this episode, if you guys have questions, please head over to the Creative Financing Podcast Facebook group. If you're not part of the community, just search the Creative Financing Podcast in Facebook and ask to join. We will be having a live session on the second Thursday of every month, so join us and bring your questions. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can ask your questions in the comments below. Lastly, we wanna thank you for subscribing, liking, and sharing this podcast with your friends.
1: So today I thought we would do um, an analysis, uh, and we'll actually go through several mini series of this. on um, Lease options and owner finance why you would you want to use one and not the other. and um, uh, Sometimes it really doesn't matter, but I'll show you some times that it does. And uh, hopefully by the, the end of this series, you'll have a really good idea of what the difference is between the two and um, uh, how they work and, you know, strengths and weaknesses of both of them. Uh, because you're always giving something up to potentially get something else and uh and i'm trying to figure out how to do the gallery well why can't i figure this out um so we can get everyone's picture on here um
2: i think we might see it differently on our end you might be all good
1: okay yeah i'm not gonna worry about it all right so um really what i want to do is for the next few episodes both of you is um i I want you to ask your questions uh and think about what our listeners would be thinking and uh let's see if we can't make this kind of clear uh over the next few episodes okay All right, so let's start with lease options, and uh, lease options are really easy to understand. Um, uh, There are two separate agreements. One is the lease agreement. No different than if you're a landlord and you have a lease with your tenant. It's going to have what the rent is, what the rules are, when the rent's due, how much it is, late fee, and how long the lease goes really standard stuff. And then the second agreement is what's called an option. And you, you don't hear too much about options, but very um, it, it's been used for many, many years. And instead of a purchase agreement, it gives the buyer an option to buy. So they may buy or they may not buy, but an option will give you a set price uh, over a specified period of time that you have the right to buy the property. Uh, so it's a unilateral agreement, which means that the buyer decides. So the seller can't decide three years later, yeah, I don't want to sell. Um, uh, if the term is still in effect, the seller doesn't have a choice. Uh, it's the buyer's choice. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. Um so we'll talk a little bit about um people that so for the the vast majority of this series we're going to talk about using these strategies whether it's a lease option or owner finance as when we're selling or if we're renting okay there'll be one small piece if you were to purchase um uh, with a lease option Uh, it's not really a purchase it's controlling a property through a lease option or buying through owner finance okay but i'm assuming that you either own these properties or you bought on terms uh it doesn't really matter but you're already the owner okay okay all right so um so someone that we lease with the option of buying we call a tenant buyer and uh tenant buyers usually have some kind of issue that makes it difficult for them to qualify for a loan and then there can be a number of reasons it could be poor credit it can be uh that they don't make enough money it could be they're self-employed they haven't been on the job long enough Maybe they actually just switched jobs and they actually switched careers and uh, they haven't established themselves long enough in that particular career. Um, Maybe they don't have any credit and uh, all of these things can affect whether they can go qualify for a loan through the bank Uh, and doing this recording now in August of 2022 that and this might not be exact but about 65 to 70 percent of the population cannot go to the bank and get conventional financing so we're actually dealing when we're talking about lease option and owner finance we're talking about dealing with the majority of the population um i know it may not seem that way but it's true okay um these people want to own a property, and uh, even though they will not be the owner, they're they're renters, but they are kind of controlling the property. And you're going to treat them as an owner, and they like that idea. Um, they want this is one of the ways that they can get home ownership. They kind of have to work toward getting it. So this is like the beginning stage. Um, We want these people to have some money. And in this particular case, it's not really a down payment. It's called an option deposit. And really what it is, is it's their, it's your insurance part of this deal to uh, lock these people into what the the agreement, okay? Okay. And it kind of makes it worthwhile for you um in my experience um you're going to typically get and this is going to vary all over the country and by market but in the markets that i've done lease options in it is pretty typical to get option deposits somewhere between three and five percent of the purchase price so Uh, And probably not the best idea to deal with the lower price range stuff. Um, uh, You probably want to be around the median home price or above for lease options to be really worthwhile, in my opinion. Um, I've done some on like $100,000 houses, and it was a lot, a lot of work to try to get $3,000 from those types of buyers. Actually, we probably got more calls about um, if we would take housing um, on this deal than if they had $3,000. <laughs> uh, so you you will find that there are some issues dealing in the really low price range properties. But three to 5% is mm-hmm. is fairly normal that I've seen. Uh, I know people that claim that they can get 10%. And uh, we'll talk about why that might be an issue. Um, what they really need is time to qualify for a loan. So anytime that we're we're going to lease option, we're, we're going to want to pull credit. And we're going to want to involve whether it's an RMLO, which is a residential mortgage loan originator, or it's just a mortgage broker that can look at their income and expenses and kind of put them on a plan to be able to qualify to get a loan somewhere down the road. And uh, that's going to vary. I can tell you when I first got into real estate, that my whole goal was to buy properties subject to where A seller would deed me the property with little to no money down. I would just take over their payments. And then I lease optioned those houses out to tenant buyers. And uh, when I got the property subject to, I was under, I had no balloon payment. Uh, I could go 10 years, 20 years. I can go the length of their mortgage. So I didn't really care if these people ever got loans and, I didn't really do much to help them. And I will tell you that the vast majority did not get a loan, okay? I also have learned that if I help them, I will. we stand a lot better chance of them being able to get refinanced. So if I had, let's say, a five-year term and I I needed them to qualify for a loan within five years, probably in my best interest to make sure I get them some help, whether it's credit repair, whether it's the mortgage broker trying to give them uh, a plan on how to get their finances in order so that they can then get a loan. Okay.
2: And something I'm curious about is, so first, it sounds like that option deposit would go towards the purchase price of the house if they did end up purchasing, correct?
1: So we're going to talk about that. Okay. In just a minute. So hold that thought. And the other thing I was curious about is I could see
2: it being a problem for a lot of people mm-hmm. to be able to come up with that 20% down payment over those few years. Is that an issue you've come across a lot? 20%. They, what would explain? So when they, when they go to refinance, if they need to put down a down payment when they refinance, because what they're buying it for and what the property's worth are, are the same. Um, it sounds like that would be an issue for a lot
1: of tenant buyers. So there's, so first of all, most of these buyers are probably going to go FHA. And mm-hmm. so they're going to look at more like three and a half to 5% down. And okay. yes, what I've always done is I always apply their option deposit toward their down payment. Uh, I know others that don't. And for the life of me, I can't truly understand why uh, the tenant buyer would be okay with that. Um, However, you should know that the option deposit, whether they buy or don't buy, is Mm non-refundable. So uh, if they don't buy, they lose it. And if they do buy, at least if they were to do it with me, I would apply that toward their down payment and their purchase price. So... Um, becomes more of a personal preference. Obviously, if you can get a decent option deposit and it doesn't apply toward anything, I mean, that's great for you. But mm-hmm. uh, I think that puts your tenant buyer at a disadvantage right from the beginning. So For I sure. Guess.
0: I have a question, Jeff. Wait, yeah. And maybe you answer this later because we are doing lease option versus owner finance. Uh-huh. But What what would make you um, offer a lease option versus versus just an owner financing? um...
1: That is like one of the big questions. And I promise you, not only are we going to try to answer that numerous times through this, I'm going to show you examples. And then you're still going to leave saying, I might prefer one over the other. Or there may be times where I would look at one as opposed to the other. I don't think there is an exact answer to that. And uh, you'll do what you're most comfortable with. Um, And again, uh, I'll show you the advantages and the disadvantages. And we're going to cover that in a lot of different ways. So hold on to that question. Okay. All right. So um, think about this for a second. One of the perfect examples of a tenant buyer is someone that has pets. If if you have two dogs and they're labs, they're bigger dogs, do you think that there's a lot of choices to rent somewhere, whether it's a house, especially a house with a yard, um, uh, an apartment, uh, anything? Uh, do you think that there's a lot of choices for those types of people?
2: No. And the choices you have, you get charged extra fees for.
1: Probably quite a bit, right? I mean, you're going to have a pet deposit. You may even have pet rent. Um, uh, They may only allow a certain weight, Um,
2: have a restriction,
1: breed restrictions. There's all kinds of issues. Are people really attached to their pets?
2: Only a
1: little bit. Right? (laughs) I mean, in general uh people will do anything for their pets and mm-hmm. so th- this is kind of ideal whether it's a, a and a lease option still may have some rules um uh, the owner finance may be a little less uh you know they're buying the property they should certainly be able to decide if they have pets or not so um keep that in mind because uh that's when these come into play quite a bit is for pet owners that can't go down and get a conventional loan all right so let's talk about some advantages uh uh just uh, we're gonna focus still on lease options okay and uh we're gonna try to get through a few more slides and then we'll wrap this episode up and we'll start another one uh but some advantages for landlords to do a lease option well Probably one of the biggest ones is they still remain the owner and they stay on title. So well, what does that mean? There's no due on sale clause. Bank can't do anything about it. Uh, this, this is a rental agreement. That, that's how uh, it will be viewed. So you certainly can do it. Um, uh you can actually pass on and I can tell you how I've done it but there's a number of ways you can structure it is that I will pass on all of the maintenance and all of the repairs to the property all 100%. And usually what I would do is give them 60 days. At the end of 60 days, you know, if there's something that broke, you tell me I'll fix it. Uh after 60 days you're now responsible. The roof needs to be replaced, you replace it. Uh you got to replace the HVAC, and I would tell them, I'm treating you as if you own this house, and that that is the goal, right? That we want them to feel like this is their home. Uh, obviously, as a rental, we maintain all the tax benefits. So we get depreciation, um, and uh, that it's a good tax shelter for us as um doing it as a rental. We're going to set the price probably higher than what the true value is. um, Mostly because we're one, there's no appraisal being done. And two that, Hey, if we're giving, if I'm giving you Nicole, the option to buy this property in five years, is there a good chance that the property is worth more in five years than it is today? Yeah. So I'm going to base some of that on, The longer I give you, the more I want for the property because, hey, more than likely it's going to be worth more. So you're you're going to get a higher price. Now, the question is, is that price, well, you know, if we would have done lease options three years ago, we're probably very unhappy if we set a price because we did not predict how much properties would rise over the last three years. So there is some risk to it. Um we can get a slightly higher market rent for the property. I've done this and you can do it, but sometimes I think that it's almost um I'd rather to almost stay within the market rents and uh make it. Uh you know, I'm already gonna raise the price, I'm already gonna get an option deposit. Um I, I don't need to make this, I don't want to see my tenant buyer fail um at least i don't want it to be because of me uh i want to give them every opportunity to succeed uh we're going to get that option deposit that's our insurance policy and normally when you rent a property you know if you've got a 1500 two thousand dollar Rent, uh, you're probably putting down somewhere between one thousand and two thousand dollars security deposit. And you know, maybe a few hundred dollars is non-refundable, and the rest is potentially refundable. In this case, we might be getting ten thousand dollars as an option deposit, which none of it is refundable. Um, Cody, would you feel more comfortable getting $1,500 security deposit or $10,000 option deposit? Definitely 10,000 would go a lot further. Right. And the goal is, is that as a normal tenant, you know, it's not your house, right? So you probably, and there's always exceptions to this rule, but, uh, Hey, something's not working. Uh, you don't go that extra mile to fix something that you don't own. In this case, we're trying to set you up for home ownership. We're trying to condition you to be a homeowner. Okay. Um, There's no need for a property manager. This is what I truly love the most about lease options is that you can actually be a landlord, but not have to deal with all the headaches that come along with being a landlord. And that's You know, maintenance, repairs, vacancy, um, property managers, uh, we can bypass all of that. And normally, okay, and here's the normally part, because it's not 100%, is that if your tenant buyer defaults, that you just evict them. And when I say normally, remember when I said that we have two agreements. We have a lease agreement, we have an option agreement. If someone defaults, I'm bringing the lease agreement to the court, and I'm saying they didn't pay their rent, I want to evict. I'm not bringing the lease and the option and showing them that they had the right to buy. Now, if that gets called into question, now we may need to take this a couple of steps further. But uh, for the most part, it's an eviction, which is normally very quick um you know within a few weeks to you know maybe six weeks uh depending on where you are okay so what are the disadvantages just like what we had just mentioned uh we're trying to set a price for the future and uh we may overshoot or we may undershoot and uh, like i said if you did this in the last three to five years you probably undershot significantly uh the tenant buyers, even though they're responsible for all the maintenance and repairs, it doesn't mean that they're keeping up with them, right? Uh, the the swamp cooler or their HVAC brakes, um, yeah, I don't have the money to fix it. So I guess I'll just go without and the roof stop starts leaking <laughs> and they put buckets underneath where the leaks are, but they don't necessarily go and fix the roof. So um you never quite know how much they will go do i've had tenant buyers that have gone well over and above what they've actually asked to make um upgrades to the property and i've had others where they don't really do much at all and as things break so be it uh
0: so what what do you do in that scenario like if they're not keeping up with the property and then um Let's say they don't want, they don't choose the option to buy at the end. Are you? Well, I guess you have the deposit, right? Yeah, you
1: do have the deposit, and it would probably not be a bad idea to take a portion of that deposit and set it aside for issues. Um, if you were to get the property back, you could also put certain things in your agreement, like hey, once a year you can come inspect the property and um that the expectations are that the property is going to be maintained in good to excellent condition at all times and uh and any kind of violation of that could result in a default and uh did i do any of that no um uh and to be honest most people won't uh not if you're doing this on a larger scale if you have one or two maybe but uh I think we want to we want to believe everyone is going to do the right thing. I mean, that's just not the case. But um, everyone will decide how they want to handle that situation. Um, see, to me, uh, if it was just a normal rental, would I go in and, you know, I, I would expect to hear from the tenant if something was broken, right, so that we could go and fix it. The only difference here would be is I may not hear from the tenant about something that's being broken because they're responsible for fixing it so you decide um in case of defaults um it may take more than just an eviction and why would that be well if i'm actually getting 10 percent or more as an option deposit if we ended up before a judge the judge may rule that that looks more like an installment sale so we're going to treat it as such and instead of the eviction, you have to foreclose. Um, if your tenant buyer challenged you in court and brought an option agreement, uh, the judge may see it the same way. Maybe, maybe not. Um, so uh, even though the vast majority of times an eviction will be enough, it may not always be enough. Uh, And, you know, the the tenant buyer may not really treat the property as if it was their own and that they they may not keep up with the things that they should. You know, keeping the lawn looking good or cut and watered and uh, even though that you want them to treat it as if it's going to be their house, they still don't feel like it is yet. All right, so well, what are the advantages to the tenant buyer? Well, uh, they don't own this property, but they control it. And uh, so if you can control a property for you know a few thousand dollars or a little bit more, that's probably a pretty good idea. And if you have a set price to buy it in a number of years, it actually may be a good thing for them as well. Uh, we've talked about this, the feeling of home ownership and they'll have a place for their pets and then that would probably be if you are lease optioning and you don't allow pets um you you're decreasing your tenant buyer pool but that's a choice that you will be able to make on your own um it's going to buy them some time so now they're hopefully working towards something rather than just hoping and dreaming that one day that they'll buy a house Um. Uh, they, they may not have to put much money down and uh, it, they'll be able to start proving a track record, even though it's not payments, it is rent. And uh, depending on what that payment is and what their payment would be in terms of refinancing, being able to show a track record could be helpful in helping them qualify for that loan. Uh, and then they can start making this home their own um, by you know, upgrading things. You know, if they're handy, they can do a lot of things for pretty cheap and uh, they can actually add value to the property before they buy it. All right, last slide, and then we'll wrap this part up. There are some disadvantages to the tenant buyers. Um, uh, They get all the responsibility of being a homeowner, except they're not and uh they may have to put down a sizable option deposit but it may not go towards the the purchase or the down payment uh like i said i don't know why someone would do that but i hear that it is being done so that will be something that if you are doing lease options that you will make a decision on yourself they don't get any of the tax benefits they're usually responsible for all the maintenance and most if not all the repairs. One of the things that some people I've seen uh that, that they the seller will still maintain um being responsible for the big capex repairs so like roof or furnace or water heater or something and but all the other repairs are up to the tenant buyer for me I, for 20 years uh it's always been you're responsible because i don't want to i don't mind being a landlord if i don't deal with the headaches of being a landlord and uh when i say headaches i really don't want to hear from my tenant pretty much until they tell me they're buying the property or they're moving out but one of the two uh they may not be able to qualify for a new loan within the time frame of the option agreement. Uh, at which case, they either have to renegotiate with you, or they have to move and forfeit their option deposit. And then they may be paying higher rents than what they could normally rent this property for. All
2: right to. it pretty typical to have a five-year? I know you mentioned that a few times, but
1: it yeah, but I've done one year, two years, three years, five years. Um, and to be honest, um I had some that went over 10 years. Oh wow. uh, but they were like three or four-year terms. And mm-hmm. uh what I should have done was raise the rent, but Uh, I already knew that if I raised the rent and these people left, that I'd have to go in and do some work that, you know, they weren't the best tenants. They still paid. And uh, to be honest, to me, it's like if I have a lease option and I have an unlimited term, I just assume uh, I'm fine if they're there for seven, eight, 10 years. And now... If we just got out of a market like we just did, you know a few for the last few years, that might not be the case, right? because uh you know the the property went up you know two hundred three hundred thousand dollars and uh, I'm selling it too cheap. I'm probably renting it too cheap and uh, now I'm probably more concerned about, hey if your time's up, uh, if you don't buy, then I'm raising everything. And by the way, you can uh you know their term is up you know three years four years two years whatever that that you, you can extend it you could extend it under the terms that you already had you can write a complete new agreement based on new values and new rents uh you can do whatever you want and that's that that may be a little better in terms of having a shorter time frame uh or uh, you might like the more security, where hey, the longer time frame probably means that they're just staying there. Okay. Nicole, did you, sense. did you have any other questions?
0: Nope. Great. Thanks.
1: All right, so we're going to continue this uh, for another few episodes, uh, and we'll get into breaking down some uh, the owner finance. Portion, and then we'll kind of compare the two side by side. We'll look at some deals and stuff like that. So uh, go out and create some terms.